Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. This week, we're going to talk about transitioning back to work. So you've done the hard part, and that is you made it successfully through the pregnancy. You amazingly had a baby, either vaginally or via C-section, and you made it through your immediate six-week postpartum period. Now, for some of y'all, that may mean that you took eight weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks, but you get my point. You made it, right? And now, if you work outside the home, you're going back to work to now what is your second job, okay? Your first job now is being a mom. So according to the American Association of University Women or AAUW, in 2021, 71.2% of women with children under age 18 were working mothers and 55% work full time. For comparison, 50 years ago, only 34% of moms work full time outside the home because we were getting taken care of and we were able to nurse and be with our babies. But now, you know, women are moving and shaking. We're business owners. We are climbing up the corporate ladder. And so we are pretty eager to get back to where we left off. Now, 26% of moms stay home full time now because that is really a full time job. Now, interestingly, Stay-at-home dads are on the rise. Now up to 7% of dads are now stay-at-home dads. Now, mothers are 40% more likely than fathers to report that they have childcare issues that have harmed their career. So it's still not fair, right? It's still not fair that you're doing all that you can at home and in your job and you still really can't catch a break. Now, if you're anything like me, When it came time to go back to work, you're dreading it. You are dreading it. You're wondering why you didn't take more time off. You're envying your friends who get to stay home full time with their kids. And for some, you're having mom guilt about leaving your baby with someone who just isn't you. Yeah, I remember that feeling very well, but know that you're an awesome mom And you're doing everything you can do to contribute to your household, to maintain your career and to pick back up where you left off while continuing your main job at home of being a mom. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about some ways you can ease your transition back to work. Okay, now for starters. I want to give you guys a couple of tips. And some of these are tips that I did not take myself, but people told me. And some of these things are things that I did or wish I had done sooner to ease my transition. And for one, 
let's go through the list of what we should or should not do. Now, first, cut yourself some slack, okay? You can't do it all. You're not going to be the perfect of anything, okay? You're going to be perfect for the situation. So perhaps the clothes go unwashed for a week. That's okay. Perhaps you don't make up the beds every morning. That's okay. Perhaps your older kids are eating cereal instead of having a hot cooked breakfast. That's okay. You got to cut yourself some slack. Although you're going back to work, you're still getting up every couple of hours, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding to feed that child. And so you are going to operate a little bit more slowly. You are going to feel a little bit more tired because you legit are not getting the sleep that you would have gotten if you did not just have a newborn child. So please cut yourself some slack, show yourself grace and realize that everything is not going to be done exactly as you want to do them on your to-do list. The next thing I would suggest is ask for help. You will need help with childcare. You will need help with laundry. You'll need help picking the other kids up if you have other kids from school. You can ask other parents to help. Perhaps they all can pick up a schedule to help pick up the children, the other children. You can ask your husband for help. Perhaps you guys need to share household chores or share responsibility for who is cooking what. Or you may need to order out. That's help. Pay somebody to come in and help you. You may need to also pay somebody to come in and clean. It's okay not to do everything by yourself. So ask for help, okay? And don't wait until you're like overwhelmed to ask for help. Ask for help up front. Anticipate the need for help. And then if you don't need it, great. You can scale back down. But always anticipate more of what you're gonna need before so that you won't be overwhelmed and anxious when you need help. The next thing I would suggest is prepare for emergencies. You're going back to work. You have somebody that you have a daycare you're taking your child to. What happens if the daycare gets a COVID outbreak? What's your backup there, okay? If you have somebody that's coming in to be a nanny, what happens if the nanny gets sick? Who's the backup, okay? What happens if you get sick? Who's gonna help take care of that baby? So I would always prepare for emergencies. And that's at work, hey, listen, you say, if I don't show up for work because my kid is out for any reason, I just want you to know, this is where these particular files can be found in my office. Or you're the only person I'm giving access to my office. So you're the backup. If you're doing a project, CC your assistant or some other coworker on those emails in the event that if you can't come, everything doesn't have to go up in, 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 in a storm, okay? You can say, hey, Miss Rosie has all the documents that you need for this meeting. I'm sorry I can't make it. So always prepare for emergencies. So prepare for your backup emergency at home. Who's going to be the child care backup? Who's going to go pick up little Timmy if little Timmy gets sick at school? Who is going to be staying at home with your child if the, if the school has an outbreak? But also, who is going to back you up at work? Okay, so you always look prepared. So prepare for emergencies. The next thing I would suggest that people don't do is talk to your boss before you come back to work, okay? Say, hey, I'm coming back to work. Let's have a meeting about the expectations once I come back to work. Or, hey, let me talk to you about the things that I know I need. I'm gonna need to breastfeed every three hours. 
So is it okay that you don't schedule any meetings at these particular times to allow me the flexibility to breastfeed? Be upfront about what you need. Talk to your boss, okay? With that being said, always talk to HR. So if there's not a boss that's directly over you and you have to get things um, like the amount of breaks approved through HR, talk to HR before you go back to work. And then also there are a lot of companies that don't advertise that they have a phase program, but some do to allow you to turn return back to work on a part-time basis initially and then full-time, or they may have lactation support or other health resources, other mental health resources, childcare resources that you may not know about if you've never had to utilize those resources before. So always talk to HR to see what resources they have available for for new moms. And then don't ignore your body, okay? People do that all the time. I did that when I was breastfeeding. You ignore your body. You know you're engorged, you're hurting, and then what do you do? I'm going to send couple more emails and I'm all, you know, power through. I see a couple more patients because I don't want to make sure, make anybody wait. And then what happens? You get engorged. Then you pump and you're in pain. Then over time, your milk supply gets lower and lower and lower because you're not pumping as frequently as you needed to because you've ignored your body. Okay. So don't ignore your body. If you have to pump, pump. If you feel tired, take a break. If you feel thirsty, drink. If you feel hungry, Eat because all of these are trying to keep your postpartum body going. Okay. And if you have cramping or pain, make sure that you're taking medication with you that you can take while you're at work. So a lot of people say, Oh, I can't take anything because I'm working. Well, talk to your OBGYN about, Hey, if I start having a lot of bleeding or if I start having a lot of cramping, what do I do? Okay. Tell me when do I need to leave work? What medicines are safe to take uh, while I'm at work? And what are the warning signs I need to look out for? So don't ignore your body and talk to your provider about the things you may anticipate may happen while you're at work. And then lastly, don't try to catch up. People do that all the time. They come back from a really long leave. So you've had surgery. You've been in the hospital for a prolonged period of time. You've had a baby. You've been off more than a month, okay? Then you do what? You sit down at your computer and you get what? Overwhelmed because you got four weeks, five weeks, 10 weeks worth of emails that you haven't been through. And you're like, oh my God, all these people emailed me and I forgot to set my like little notice that I'm gonna be off until X, Y, and Z date, okay? And some people will email you even if you have that notice. They'll still continue to email you. Sometimes you may be on group messages and they don't know not to include you on those, okay? So you have all these emails you have to catch up on. And so people... Spend hours and hours, you go home and you're trying to catch up on all this work that's probably already happened without you. So you're wasting your time catching up on the emails. Instead, reset, okay? Reset. Schedule a meeting with your team. Say, hey, what did I miss? Is there something that I need to do right now? Catch me up to speed. And then you work from that return date on, okay? Assume that everything that you got in your basket It's already done, okay? And you work from that point on. Now, I'll say this. Before you go on maternity leave, you do need to set notice and let people know you're not gonna be there. And if you've done that, you've done your due diligence, you work from that point on. I don't, don't go back and check the old emails. I would delete them. Ask your boss, is there something I need to know about? Because 
there's no way I'm going back through all these emails. It's impossible to catch up on six weeks worth of emails. So if there's a project that I need to be doing right now, can you please forward me an email to let me know what I need to do right now so that you don't feel like you're working from six weeks ago trying to play catch up because you won't get ahead like that. Okay. You will not get ahead like that. Leave the old emails alone. The other tidbit I would say is know that your mom and your boss and you can do both things and it may feel overwhelming like I can't do all of this or I have somebody else raising my child or I feel guilty for leaving my child. As long as you know your child is with somebody you can trust, breathe, try to focus on what you have at work and leave home at home. Okay, it's very I do it too. Okay. I do it too. I'm calling, trying to figure out what Harrison is doing. Hey, did he eat today? Did what did he eat? Was he okay? Did he act okay? Trust me. If something is going on with your child, you will get a call at work. (laughs) So while you're at work, try your hardest to focus on what's at work and don't focus on calling every 20 minutes to check on your child. Listen, this is the pot calling the kettle black, okay? It's hard to do, but I'm telling you, you're not going to be functional at work if you're constantly trying to figure out what's going on at home with your child. When you get home, that's mommy and me time and spend that time with each child individually. Have their own set. Hey, this is Harrison's time. Hey, this is Sophie's time or whoever, whatever your child's name is. Let them have your undivided attention individually so that they have their time and their cuddle time. But when they're having fun at daycare or at school, let them have fun at daycare or at school. Don't you call that school 10 times asking about that child and if he used a potty or not. Trust me, they'll give you those dirty underwear when you come and pick your child up. Don't you call that nanny at home asking how many bottles she's fed your child. Ask them that when you get home. Trust me, this is me talking to myself, okay? Ask them when you get home. All right. So now that we have had a couple tips about transitioning back to work, let's dive into some cases. Our first case is a 27-year-old who is eight weeks postpartum. She returned back to work two weeks ago and is now having vaginal bleeding again. After she delivered, she had vaginal bleeding, which she was told was normal for about three weeks. She breastfed consistently and had no further bleeding since then. Once she returned to work, she continued to pump as frequently as she could, but a few days later, she had vaginal bleeding, which hasn't stopped. She describes the bleeding as one day of heavy flow, requiring her to change pads every two to three hours. Now, it's just an annoying light bleed. She presents wanting to know if her bleeding is abnormal. So no, your bleeding is not abnormal. I can say without a doubt, it's not. Um, And I say that because... You can bleed up to six weeks after you have a baby, right? Up to six weeks. And that's called lochia. That is your body shedding that lining that's built up over the course of nine months, okay? You remember when you have your menstrual cycle, you're shedding lining that's built up over a course of one month. So now you're shedding a lining that's built up over the course of nine months. So it makes sense that you had at least the three weeks of bleeding. So you had three weeks of bleeding and then you stopped bleeding because you were breastfeeding. So that meant that you weren't, ovulating because the suckling effect of the breast was preventing ovulation ovulation because when you breastfeed it releases a hormone called oxytocin 
That's the same hormone that we use when you go into labor. Oxytocin is putocin, right? That's what puts you into labor and starts you have normal contractions. So you're releasing oxytocin because you're breastfeeding. That hormone is sort of negative, negatively feeding back to your brain saying, hey, shut off, shut off. Don't ovulate. Don't ovulate. Okay. So you're not ovulating. But then once you are not pumping as frequently or having the baby latches frequently, you don't have that same feedback, that same suppressive feedback. So now all of a sudden, instead of pumping or breastfeeding every three hours, you're pumping or breastfeeding every four or five hours. And so your body's like, okay, well, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's time to ovulate. Maybe it's time to shed and ovulate. And that is exactly what your body is doing. You're having some withdrawal bleeding, okay? You are drawing from the oxytocin that's being expressed when you're breastfeeding. And so you can have breakthrough bleeding. And when people breastfeed consistently, they can have no periods for a whole year. No period, whole year, okay? And that is the body's natural way of being uh, birth control, okay? That's how we stopped ourselves from having babies back to back. Because we were breastfeeding consistently, so you won't get pregnant because you're not ovulating. Now, I always tell people, don't you use that as a family planning method, okay? You'll get lost in the sauce and get pregnant, won't even know it because you, you're not having regular cycles yet, okay? So don't do that because you can have an egg that slips up and you have the egg that slips up and you have sex. I guess what? We have a baby. Okay, so don't use that as a form of contraception, but it is the primitive way our bodies didn't just have babies right back to back. Okay. Because it suppresses ovulation. Isn't mother nature amazing. Okay. You know, thought of all this so that we wouldn't get pregnant back to back. Okay. But when you are not consistently breastfeeding, and I'm not saying you're not doing a good job because obviously if you're working and pumping, you're doing a great job. Okay. Cause that was hard for me to do, but you're not doing it as frequently as you would have before. So you can then start having cycles again and ovulation again. Okay. So that's what it sounds like is happening. Now you may continue to breastfeed and have a cycle here and not have another cycle for two, three months. That is very normal to have very irregular and sporadic cycles, or you may continue to have cycles now every month. Okay. So this is very normal. That first couple of months of adjusting back to another schedule can also leave your uh, cycles very unpredictable as well. Okay, so I will tell you, make sure you have liners with you, okay, because you can have breakthrough bleeding while you're doing this, uh, you know, while you're going through breastfeeding in this first year. You may not be as, have as predictable of cycles as you did before you got pregnant, okay? So the case pearl for this case is changes in frequency of breastfeeding can cause changes in your menstrual flow, because you're no longer suppressing ovulation. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 28-year-old who is 10 weeks postpartum. She returned to work full-time and is feeling pretty close to her normal self. However, she realizes that she can't hold her urine long at all. Anytime she has a hard laugh, she loses a bit of pee. She's worried that something was damaged during her vaginal delivery. She presents for a consultation. You know, I hate to say this is pretty typical, but it's, it's pretty typical. Like the more babies you have, the more relaxed your pelvic floor is. And your pelvic floor supports a lot of stuff. It supports your uterus. It supports your bladder. It supports your rectum. It supports your vagina. Okay. 
those are the muscles of your pelvic floor. And so if you have a weight that you're carrying on that muscle, of course, over time, that muscle is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And the more babies you have, the more trauma you're causing to your pelvic floor. So sounds like if you're losing urine every time you strain, you cough, you sneeze, you laugh, that is typical of stress urinary incontinence, which means that every time you stress the body or you bear down, or anything that increases the pressure inside of your pelvis, you're going to lose a little bit of pee, okay? And that's because the normal tone you have in the sphincter or, or the little you know, muscle that can hold your bladder closed or your urethra closed is now like, hey, hey, I'm laxed, okay? I'm chilling. And oh, you want to lose a little pee? I'm losing a little pee. So what we need to do is build our pelvic floor back up. And you have you can do that with pelvic floor exercises like pelvic tilts. You can do that with Kegel exercises. Um, you can do that, you know, by making sure you're increasing your core, um, your core muscles. But at the end of the day, you can do all that depending on the degree of stress urinary incontinence, and it may not work. Okay, it may not work, and sometimes you can be doing all the pelvic floor exercises, all the pelvic tilts in the world. And you may still have stress urinary incontinence, okay? Sometimes you may have stress urinary incontinence because you have prolapse or bladder prolapse, meaning your bladder has descended down and is pressing on the anterior part of the vagina. And so you know that if you feel a bulge inside the vagina, okay, or anybody that's had to use their fingers to press up in the vagina to urinate, that is going to be contributing to stress urinary incontinence. Okay. That can't be fixed with Kegel exercises. You, you got to have that surgically repaired. Okay. Now there are things like pessaries and, you know, some of the, uh, older, uh, methods. Yeah. Some people still use those for people that are not good surgical candidates. And then there's also certain medicines that we can give you to treat some types of urinary incontinence, but stress urinary incontinence is a little bit harder to treat because we know that every time you bear down, you may lose a little bit of urine. Okay. So they'll try to do those, those uh, exercises to build up your core. If that doesn't work on your own, then you can go to a physiotherapist that is going to help you do exercises and target your pelvic floor to strengthen it. And then if that doesn't work, it's almost like physical therapy for the pelvis, okay? And if that doesn't work over a prolonged period of time, then you may say, I'm just tired of losing urine. Or if you're losing more and more urine, then you may need to get uh, repair. And if that is due to the bladder bulging into the vagina, you may have to get what's called an anterior repair, which is where they basically push the bladder back up and basically tighten the anterior wall. You might have to have one of the sling procedures. Okay. That's where they use a sling. It's like a mesh sling to anchor the bladder up. Okay. And there's different types of slings and different reasons we do each one of them, but talk to your OBGYN about your symptoms and talk to them about that because they're going to start telling you, these are the things you need to do. And then you need to follow up with me. And then we need to see if it's gotten any better. Okay. Now we're going to refer you to um, a physiotherapist. Okay. After you go to them for treatment for a prolonged period of time. Okay. Is that working? Okay. No. Now we need to go ahead and move to surgery. So talk to your OBGYN so they can formally diagnose you and make sure it is just stress urinary incontinence or see if you have some degree of pelvic organ prolapse that's contributing to this. And so you can get a conservative treatment regimen before you get a surgical treatment regimen.
the case pearl for this case is urinary incontinence is a side effect of carrying a baby. Okay, pelvic floor exercises are encouraged. If that doesn't work, then talk with your OBGYN about referring you to a physiotherapist or about surgical correction if that does not work. All right, medical intern, do we have any email cases today? Yes, this one says, hey, this is going to be a little embarrassing. Is it normal for me to have increased body odor? I delivered three months ago and I've noticed that my urine is smelly and that I have a strange tinge in my sweat. I shower daily and smell fine when I leave the house. But by the end of the day, I smell like a boy who's been playing on the playground. What should I do about this? Babies give us more than what we ask for, right? We figure like, oh, we're going to have a baby and we're going to look like, you know, uh, one of these princesses afterwards, right? We're going to wear a long flowing white gown and we're going to take our photos and our hair is going to be a luscious and flowing and we're going to feel fantastic and we're going to lose all of our weight when we're breastfeeding and our babies are going only going to cry when they're hungry or wet and everything's going to be great, right? Right, that's what we thought. But the realness is your body changes after you have a baby, okay? You'll have, you know, adjustments to your weight, okay? You may be bigger. You may breastfeed and lose weight. And people always think, oh, you lost weight, that's great. But then your breasts may droop, okay? So there's all these, your body is not gonna be the exact same as it was before. And with that comes odors and your menstrual cycles and all these things that are caused by changes in hormones, okay? And body odor is a real thing after you deliver, And that's because now instead of just, you know, your normal pregnancy hormones, your body is adjusting and shifting. Your hair is starting to shed because of the alterations in your hormone level. Your sweat glands are becoming enlarged because of the changes in your androgen level. I mean, you are going through changes in your body. And as a result, your sweat glands are pouring out sweat. So the fact that you smell a little older is real. Okay you are going to have a small amount of odor. If you're breastfeeding, you're going to have a different type of odor because, you know, the smell of milk, you can smell milk. Other people around you may not be able to smell you because your senses are much more heightened after you have a child than they were before you have a child. But all I would encourage you to do is continue to keep good hygiene, okay? And eventually you will adjust and your hormones will regulate and you won't have this issue, but your body's going through a lot of stuff right now. One, you could have, you could be having irregular bleeding. Okay. We all know that blood when it's old, it stinks. You're going to have increased sweating. Okay. Cause your sweat glands are pouring out sweat. Sweat doesn't smell good. Okay. Um, you could be going through mood swings and changes because of those hormones as well. So I would suggest make sure you're showering daily, always keep, feminine hygiene wipes with you, and then always make sure you are using um, deodorant, okay? And before you apply deodorant, if you apply in the middle of the day, I always tell people, use one of those little, you know, Summer's Eve honey pop wipes. Wipe yourself down before you apply any type of sprays on you. And that's whether you're it's in your genitalia or under your arms. Always wipe and clean first and then spray um, you know, uh, deodorants on top of that. Okay. You don't want to spray deodorants on top of musk or on top of sweat without cleaning it because it's just going to smell like, you know, potpourri musk and nobody wants to smell that. So 
continue keeping your daily hygiene, but you may want to check yourself, you know, you know, midway through the day, even if you're like, I don't sink right now, but just wipe. Okay. Just wipe, apply new deodorant and go from there. You may have to take a shower in the beginning of the day and then one at the end of the day. And if you're breastfeeding, you're going to want to stay clean anyway. So you're going to take a shower when you get home anyway, because you want to make sure that you're latching the baby to a clean breast. Okay. But no, you're not going crazy. Your hormones have you hypersensitive to your own smell and you're sweating more because of hormonal changes that you've gone through. This is completely normal. Just continue to keep good hygiene practices. All right. So I think that that's all the questions we have for today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you've learned a little more about ways to easily transition back to work after having a baby. Know that you are, we are rooting for you and it's normal to feel a little bit anxious and miss your baby, but you've got this. You can go back to work and you can be a boss and blaze it. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. And don't forget to catch up on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty, produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.